0: We are so pleased to announce a beautiful new addition to our family. So begins a typical birth announcement that leads to a date, a name, and maybe even the place where the child was born. In sending the announcement, the parent uses special stationery or a uniquely designed template because the parent is pleased, proud, and anxious to let friends and family know the good news. What would a birth announcement for Jesus sound like? John's Gospel provides us with one— And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a father's only son. What would a birth certificate for Jesus look like if birth certificates were a thing in His day? What information would be printed on it? This Advent, the pastors will share commentary on this imagined certificate in our sermon series, Jesus' Birth Certificate. Join us as we consider the good news announcement of Jesus' birth and explore the significance of one who was born among us But lived as God with us. Let us pray. May your spirit, O God, speak to us with similar words spoken long ago. Do not be afraid, favored one. The Lord is with you. Open our ears to hear such words and open our hearts to receive and respond, and in so doing we find agency within the mystery and wonder of faith. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Listen for the word of the Lord. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the sixth month, The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's not much said about Mary within the canonical gospels. Outside of the birth narratives and Jesus being presented at the temple, Mary is rarely mentioned. And only mentioned by name when Jesus was rejected in his hometown at the crucifixion and then later in Acts when she accompanies the disciples and a hundred other women and men in prayer at Pentecost. Even with the limited materials, the four Gospels portray Mary in very different ways. Mark, perhaps, has a negative view of Mary. As she arrives with other family members, when Jesus is preaching at the house, the crowd passes on the message to Jesus that his mother is calling to him, to which Jesus responds, who is my mother and brother? You are my family, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And Mary remains outside of the house. Matthew places Mary in the genealogy of the Messiah in line with four other women who act outside the customary patriarchal structure. Yet Mary never speaks in Matthew, and the birth narrative is focused on Joseph. Luke depicts Mary as a faithful woman blessed by the Holy Spirit at conception and later at Pentecost. She is the first to respond to the angel's good news of great joy, and she responds courageously. And finally, John never mentions Mary by name, only refers to her as the mother of Jesus. She is mentioned at the beginning and then at the end, at Cana and then at the cross. Mary as a character is one of divine and diverse understandings. In the Annunciation, Mary is described as favored, perplexed, blessed, thoughtful, and afraid. She questions, ponders, believes, and submits to God's call on her life. The church's love and obsession for Mary can be seen in all the names given to her over the course of the first 1,500 years of Christianity. Those names include Theotokos, God-bearer, Mother of God, Queen of Heaven, Nuestra Senora, our mother of sorrows, our lady of perpetual help, our lady of just about every village or town or city you could pass through. I mean, we have our very own Our Lady of the Valley. And yet in these names comes an image that constellates a whole host of meanings that cannot be communicated logically, let alone fully understood. But in our passage for today, we do have two names other than Mary, That are found, one given and one claimed, favored one and servant of the Lord. What does it mean to be favored? We all have things we favor foods, TV shows, sports teams, music styles. I mean, I even favor my left foot. But this is not at all what it means to have God's favor. Mary. A betrothed teenager who was pregnant before her wedding date is going to find that she is unfavored by those in her community and even for a moment unfavored by Joseph. Scandal and disdain will ensue, yet, to this betrothed teenager, the angel visits and tells her not once but twice that she has found favor with God. It is no small thing to be favored especially when you are exceedingly aware that you should not be, that you are undeserving, that you are a nobody to the world, or perhaps a nobody in your own eyes. But Mary most likely knew the weight of such a claim, which is why she is perplexed and pondered what this greeting might be. To have found favor is to have found grace. It is an approval, an acceptance, a blessing. To have found favor is to have been noticed by God. Mary must be thinking, who, me? Why me? The people who most deserve favor are the ones least likely to assume it. They live in a space of humility, generosity, and compassion, so the focus is never on their own worth or value. You, Mary, you have found favor with God. You have been noticed by God. Yes, you, Mary, the favored one. But we cannot move too quickly from Mary's favor to the name Mary gives herself in our passage. As Carolyn Lewis notes in her commentary, there is a lot of ground we must cover between Gabriel's greetings, favored one, and Mary's, let it be according to your word. We cannot simply jump from Mary being named favored and her response as the servant of the Lord and paint a picture of obedience and submission because in that space, in that between space, we find another truth about Mary. Mary is honest. She is perplexed, confused, and even troubled, and she doesn't try to hide this. She ponders what the angel has just said to her, and to ponder here is actually to debate, to consider different reasons, almost to push back, even if words aren't spoken. Again, Mary must be thinking, Me? Who am I to be favored? Who am I to be noticed by God? How can the Lord be? With me. She is an ordinary teenager from a nothing town called Nazareth. Do not be afraid, Mary. The angel interjects. You, the ordinary teenager from the nothing town of Nazareth, you have found favor with God and the Lord is with you. Gabriel continues even though you are not yet married and still a virgin, you are going to give birth to a son, to the Savior of the world, the Messiah your people have been waiting for. You will give birth to him. He will be the son of the Most High. From the lineage of David with a never-to-end kingdom, you, an unknown girl from an unknown place, will do this very thing. And it will interrupt your life. It will mess up your plans. Everything you ever knew is going to change. The world is going to change. Okay, wait, what? How can this be? Well, nothing is impossible with God. It is in this affirmation that Mary then summons the courage to say, Here I am, and names herself the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your will. The bridge between Mary's favor and her response is her honest wonder and her honest fear. When we consider Mary as a quiet sidebar to the story of Jesus, we miss the power of yes to God. Mary's yes was not muffled consent that led to a joyful pregnancy. Her life was immediately interrupted and became a cascade of drama. Philip Yancey says, often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And Mary embraced both. From her first yes to Gabriel here and the birth itself, to her insistence to provide wine at the wedding in Cana, to her last yes at the cross and her full presence at Pentecost. Mary is the embodiment of human agency in the narrative of divine liberation. Mary, Mary is the embodiment of human agency in the narrative of divine liberation. As Richard Warr says, she is every woman and every man. Mary is the great yes that humanity forever needs for Christ to be born in the world. In Mary, we find the truest parts of our humanity and the deepest parts of our soul. In and through Mary, we find that we too are favored. We have been noticed by God, and God will do and is doing marvelous and miraculous things through us. There is radical transformation that takes this ordinary teenager from peasant girl to prophet. From Mary to Mother of God, from denial and doubt to discipleship and devotion, from how can this be to let it be so. And there is radical transformation that takes you from a nobody to a somebody, from forgotten to favored. And the beauty is that it is nothing we did. Late public theologian Rachel Held Evans says that, I am not a Christian because of anything I've done, but because a teenage girl living in occupied Palestine at one of the most dangerous times in history said yes. Yes to God, yes to a wholehearted call she could not possibly understand. Yes to the vulnerability in the face of societal judgment. Yes, to a vision for herself and her little boy of a mission that would bring down rulers and lift up the humble, that would turn away the rich and fill the hungry with good things, that would scatter the proud and gather the lowly. Yes, to a life that came with no guarantee of her safety or her sons. She continues, it is nearly impossible to believe God shrinking down to the size of a zygote, implanted in the soft lining of a woman's womb, growing fingers and toes, kicking and hiccuping in utero, being born covered in blood, crying out in hunger, reaching for his mother's breast, resting in his mother's lap. You see, even God is radically transformed. Transformed. Well, nothing is impossible with God. Before Jesus fed us with the bread and the wine, the body and the blood, Jesus himself needed to be fed by a woman. He needed a woman to say, this is my body given for you. Beloved, each and every one of you is noticed by God. You are favored by God, and God intends to do great things in and through you. Just like Mary's story, our story individually and collectively is met with the perfect love of God in the midst of our fear, our struggle, our poverty and weakness, our insecurity and doubt in and through all of the interruptions of life. And just like Mary, each and every one of you each and every one of us also gets the opportunity to respond, to enter that risk, that freedom, that openness. We get the opportunity to say yes to such love. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian, Finding Direction by Following Jesus